this is the the whole discussion of how um the taboo and the sacred are basically the same thing you know and they, they always have been you know um so these things that are a taboo like like incest we're talking about the incest with with hamlet right like the um this idea of a uh, brother um getting to get like murdering his own brother and then sleeping with his sister which is his sister-in-law you know like that that's ultimate taboo right but that becomes the central sacred mystery going right back to like we were saying like Demuzi and uh and inanna you know it's like a um so i i think he's just sort of re reiterating that idea now now these um these things like the n-word or like the swastika or all these things these are the last things well I, probably not the last they're always continuing. they have all, power yeah they still have power in them because they're taboo you know and they're made sacred because um they're taboos um which which is dangerous you know so that's that's why uh germany banning the swastika it's almost like uh, it's it's dangerous you know because it 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 continues to give it meaning you know um it continues to make it sacred yeah uh, i i just watched um uh triumph of the will just the other oh, the wow. other day just just to just to experience it as a documentary so it's like uh and hitler is explicit all the way through it like hitler and other nazi speakers in in that rally right um they're explicit in in wanting this to be portrayed wanting their whole movement and especially wanting this documentary to be portrayed as religious you know uh -huh. um so in the triumph of the will there's nothing about race like hardly anything there's this one line i think himmler makes about uh race or something but they hardly talk about it it's all about it's all about the the nation and order and and all these things and then and it's just like marching and flags and like uh violent passionate speeches and and all these people cheering on multitudes of people cheering on hitler as if he's a messiah and uh, hitler the, the first shot is he comes he flies in a plane down to nuremberg and so he's coming through the clouds and he, he gets off the plane and it's it's like he descends from the heavens and and that's all that's all the purpose of it you know it's like a so yeah so if if you ban the swastika you know it, that that holds that religious picture in place you know that's it still that's that's a still a potential threat there it immortalizes um, it it memorializes it 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 kind of denotes its importance um right it it's it 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 creates a sacred cordon around it like in in japan there's these sacred shimenawa ropes around um sacred trees and other things um it, it creates a frame around things to make it sacred and it's i just um thinking here about just to go back to orwell and ministry of truth i mean that's the two plus two equals five i mean that's that's what we're talking about here um at some level where you, you know you're not allowed to say the obvious that, that because it would, it would be violating some kind of sacrificial uh, enforced social contract, you might say authoritarian enforced contract, social contract that you, you know. Um, so anyway, I just reminded of that scene because it's similar. It's like, you can't say, Hey, this is like a religious symbol. That means peace and love. I'm going to wear a swastika. And you, that's, you couldn't, I mean, that would be completely, now, of course there's subtleties of like the reverse and then the tilted nature of how the Nazis used it. But I mean, I probably couldn't wear like a, 
Buddha, a Zen swastika uh, down in Austin, Texas, my hometown on my t-shirt and kind of walk around in the city. That would be high risk to do that. Um, and, and so anyhow, I just, this is just, a, this is what's important. This is something so fundamental to human to our humanity and our human community that it's worth like, I want, I'm actually curious about who else has written on this topic. There's gotta be books called taboo. Oh, you, you, you can find, um, uh, it, like even Fraser in the golden bowel talks about this. It's a, it's a, it's a rich vein in, in, uh, religious studies. Like it goes way back. You know? uh, uh, I think there's yeah. even a book called the sacred and the taboo. I forget who is, okay. who's that by. Um, I think Doug just dropped off somehow. Uh, I don't know. Okay. Not hopefully I wasn't, it. hopefully I didn't, it wasn't something I said here. I, 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 um, I don't think so. I think that there must have been some technical thing. Cool. Well, uh, so we'll come back. Um, but it, but the other side, I think we should add this, right? Like the other side to his argument, right? It's um, that's a way to to normalize using the N word, right? Which is, of course, that's that, <laughs> that has some bad effects as well. You know, it's like a, so on the right. I've I've seen um, fringe people on the right. Uh, saying that that's their strategy basically is they want to normalize these things so it, it that's that's another an, another potential that's another argument but the, the idea that their normalization would be bad uniquely bad so like uh, um that is now we're back in the realm of it being a sacred taboo the idea of, the, of, of a true normalization would be that it would be bad for the reasons why any kind of harassment is bad or any kind of curse word is bad. It's like brought back down to the level of its peers. And, and that I think that would be potentially a, well, it, setting aside whether it's good or bad, that would mean that it's lost well, its taboo status to be able to just well, call that's someone the thing. like, the, you're the, an asshole or you're a, you know, whatever. It was, just, there's a, there's a spectrum involved, right? Like, so, so, uh, at the beginning, um, it, when 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 these words become full, fully normalized, right? Like then then the their power as a taboo is is completely uh, is is completely erased, right? And so at that point, it is completely erased. And I think that's what he's talking about. But but before we get there, right? That's when the danger comes in, right? Then it starts to become normalized, and then you can start to recruit. You know, this is this is a perspective of these these actual neo-Nazi groups. You know, it's like uh, you can start to recruit because your symbols are now acceptable. You know, um, but let's go back because this is so. This is fascinating, God. Because basically, let's take it outside of neo-Nazis and just forget that. Let's just go into because that's just too hot. I don't want to sound like um. I would ever advocate for neo-Nazi recruitment. Um, but basically what I'm hearing is that if you allow the taboo to be widely engaged in, in these initial phases of its dismantlement, the people that are willing to actively engage in a taboo during this stage are people that are basically antisocial, you might say, or that would the people that are kind of willing to throw over the social order, right? They feel comfortable enough now that there's just enough of an opening that they can now go out and say these things. Think about the psychological profile of that person. You know, those are types of people that if we were in the government's governance business, you and me, these are the mm -hmm. exact type of people that we would want to be governing around 
because they're the most at risks for overthrowing a social order. And so you're kind of making the case for, on the one hand, it's just, it's complex. It gets complex because on the one hand, you want taboos as a social kind of cohesive strategy and that people, and it doesn't even matter what they are, you just that, that they exist and that people then don't engage in them means that there's a kind of a compliant society that can be beneficial. Do you see what I'm saying? And so that's, this is kind yeah, of, yeah, yeah. this is kind of like what's so interesting to me, because on the one hand, you can use taboo as a resistance overthrowing taboos as a resistance to an oppressive social order, right? As a way to point out the absurd, like the emperor's new clothes. But on the other hand, what if the fact that the emperor is naked and, and that's just a way to cohere society into a functional, peaceful flow. And, and so, I mean, now we're in the realm of people like Plato and others that say, you just can't have most people in a society like live tripping acid, you know? You have to have most people believing these simple concepts to, to and, and they don't get to explore the mysteries because if everybody was doing it, you might have violence, you might have breakdown of the social, you know, so I'm not saying I believe and know what's true one way or the other. I'm just kind of throwing this basket into the conversation because it's pretty com complicated here what we're talking about. And well, there's a lot to it. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's basically like, uh, yeah, what we're saying before, like the upwelling of the unconscious, right? And that there's no way to navigate that, you know, there's no way to uh, control that, you know, um, once that starts to happen, it's like, uh, yeah, you're, you're opening Pandora's box. I think you can make the, uh, the kind of uh, simulation of control. And I think that's what people at the top are trying to do, you know, but uh, um, ultimately that's the nature of these unconscious forces is that is that they are uncontrollable by by definition you know if they are controllable they're not they're not the unconscious um but there so, but there's like so this is where we get into bernays and this you know it's like he's like listen these forces exist but my job and there's a whole field now a new profession where our job is to manage that so to prevent the worst case scenarios you know to kind of stave off this uncontrollable burst forth as long as possible. And then maybe it's like people that manage earthquakes, you know, where you try to make, make, maybe make little fissures here and there. So it doesn't have the big explosion or there's probably a better example, but um, you know, so yeah, I'm agreeing with you, but at the same time, this doesn't, this kind of underscore it where we're, we're making the case here in a way for social engineering and propaganda. Um, and that makes me uncomfortable, but at the same time, I can see the case as well. So, I mean, I just, you, you, you kind of understand people like Orwell or Huxley that, that, that are born into this class or educated with, from this perspective. And then them, they're kind of blowing the whistle, but at the same time, you know, is it a playbook? Is it a call out? You know, I mean, this is where, what we're straddling here. I feel like. Well, it's, um, I think this goes back to, uh, that comment that, uh, Freud made to Jung about, uh, um, Freud warning Jung not to become, not to let the unconscious upwell to the point where you become overwhelmed by the black tide of mud of the occult. You know, he called it the black tide of mud. So even Freud, who was uh, deeply, deeply looking into death and fear of death and sex, you know, all of these like really primal things was unwilling to go deeper than that, you know? 
um, whereas Young was. Uh, but even 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 Young, I think it, it it almost destroyed him. Like that's the evidence of the the Red Book, right? Like a. Um, and this so, is yeah. So, sir, go ahead. Go ahead. So this is the thing, right? Like it, this is what's going to emerge, right? This black tide of mud of the occult, you know, um, and that's that's more and more what is going to emerge through the internet, right? Um, but this so, is something. This is something that uh, Gwenon. I, I don't know if you've read Gwenon, the traditionalist, right? How do you um, spell his name? Uh, G U E N O N. No, I haven't. I've never even seen that name, so that's interesting. Oh, he's 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 excellent. If you his his book that you should read, everybody should read is is called The Reign of Quantity, and wow. uh, he's talking about the shift from a traditionalist um, culture based on quality, right? Based on all these the different qualities of life and virtue and stuff. Um, to a more modernist system where everything is 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 measured, everything is measured, everything is it it all becomes quantity. It all it's all based on scientific materialism, um, and so uh, going on sort of tracing that movement throughout history. But he anticipates a uh, <clears throat> a period following this, and he doesn't. He says it's it's not going to be a long period, but it, there's going to be a flip, a sort of anti-traditionalist inversion right where it's not it's it's uh all of these ideas all of these traditional ideas of of orders of uh orders of being and emanations and all these things that are involved these cosmic hierarchies that are involved in uh in traditional religion they're going to re-enter again into this system but it's all going to be inverted and so he, he called it like a counter a, a counter tradition um yeah, and, so they're uh, going to re-enter as the tradition. Like we'll have like as, social justice as, warriors as a traditional concept, and whatever you know, that's just a stand-in. But yeah, it's, you'll have yeah, it's just, yeah. just one one. Yeah, that's that's one example. But yeah, everything be, becoming inverted, right? Everything becoming so. So it's it's like it's like in Ulysses again. It's like the you. It's a black mass, you know. It's uh, that's what's going to come come about, you know. Um, and in and Gwenon, he says this is the reign of the Antichrist, right? But according to biblical sources, the reign of the Antichrist is is like the full reign of the Antichrist is brief. It's only it's only seven years, mm-hmm. um, um, by 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 some reckoning, you know. Um, Things are going to slide in all directions. Won't be nothing you can measure anymore. To go back to that Cohen song, it's the future. It's a beautiful song. It's about this kind of apocalyptic kind of release of this chaotic kind of inversions. Um, yeah, that's an amazing song. Or um, Yeats, yeah, the, the, the center yeah, does. Yeah, yeah, like a, perfect. Yeah. Uh, Yates, yeah. So um, just, I want to, because can, can I, I've got this article I'm going to read later about Rene Guinan and the reign of quantity. I found a, bl- a blog on it that looks really good, but I want to come back and just talk about the black bile or the blackness. The black mud. The black mud. Because I, I'm going to throw this, and I don't know if it's true. Let me see. You, you may know more about this particular idea in, in, in the intellectual tradition, but is it true, would you say, that, that there's a certain inevitability to the black mud, and the sooner that we kind of walk into it and through it, that it's leading us to something that is the ultimate inevitable, inevitable end? That is to say, without the, dredging up the black mud and then bathing in it, there's no way to get to kind of the final piece you might well, say that, some, something like the Buddhist idea of sitting under the bow tree and then you have to face Mara. 
Um, and, and well, that's that's uh, Jung's point, right? Is that the black mud is is the uh, is the prima materia of the uh, uh, of yeah. the alchemists, right? Like we we need like we need the blackness. That's that's the stage, the initial stage of alchemy, right? Um, so that was his take on it. It, it. It's absolutely necessary. Let me throw this question to you then. In the current context of this, of what we're having with like the social media as being Twitter, let's just go with Twitter as being a kind of access point and a kind of dredge, a dredger of black mud materia. Um, what does it look like for the collective? Would you say, I mean, if like, if we unleash the, 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 and we kind of have already, I mean, like if you just look at the rise of so-called conspiracy theory of the last two decades, this is some of what Alan's video series was on, mm-hmm. but other people write it that you've kind of let all the information out and then people can kind of see tr- these kind of all other theories about, for example, who runs the world and the history of the control of society or whatever. And that's just too dangerous because then you get populist movements Um and, but I mean, I'm just, I guess what I'm saying is like in our current moment, what does it look like to have a kind of redeeming pass through the black mud so that we can collectively get to some kind of other side, a collective enlightenment. And in this scenario, it, there wouldn't be a bifurcation between an elite who gets to explore this and then the hoi polloi who have to be controlled with taboo. Like what if, like, do you see what I'm saying? Is there a collectivized version of this, a collective awakening? Where there's not this kind of um, useless eater mentality that 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 seems to be like a Bernaysian model, or should we? Is the part of that well, just it, that we sacrifice masses because it's just fundamental that that it's too dangerous to unleash this on people that can't handle it or something like this? Do you see what my question? I know it's a it's a kind of all over the place there, but I'm trying to kind of yeah yeah, yeah yeah go ahead. Yeah. Uh, um, I think I got it, but it's like a. The um, the thing about it also though is is that um, it's it's physical as well as mental, right? Mm. And so if if this is the noosphere, if we're if we're creating the noosphere through the internet, right? And that's the mind of Gaia, basically, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we still have to reckon with her body, you know. The noosphere noosphere directly is going to impact the body of Gaia in the same way as any sort of mental disease that we have or mental unbalance that we have is going to affect our bodies, you know, it's affect our bodies. So it's not going to be like, um, it's not going to be limited to just this kind of uh, mental fight or ideological uh, battles. It's going to be things like earthquakes and tsunamis and, <laughs> and climate change and all of these things, diseases, all of that happening at once, you know, that's what's going to will up as well you know what about so i'm just like even like war could be fit war war also yeah with nuclear war even like it's um yeah systems collapse economic collapse like all of these things are potentially going to happen so it's it's not uh it's it's by no means an easy question you know it's like uh it's it's not going it it, i don't know if we want that sort of alchemical transformation you know yeah, it's no um, means an easy ally because it's, it's, it does feel... I'm just going back to thinking about the Nazis again because Hitler's impossible without radio, photographs, the mass media technologies that allowed the kind of propaganda... And you've just watched this film, so they're using film. But the, the rise to... like, I, Let me just rephrase this point I'm making, and I think Jung did talk about it. 
And I don't know if he brought in the media side, but basically he was saying there's going to be a confrontation with the black stuff in the physical realm. It's not just going to be psychological. It's going to manifest in this, in a war effectively. Right, 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 and, right. He, he had a vision of, of World War One and World War Two, and, he, and he, he also prophesied uh, the rise of Hitler. You know? Yeah. Like a, um, he saw Hitler and was like, that dude's going to be like this kind well, of... Well, he, uh, he knew that archetype would yeah. emerge, you know, yeah. like a... Um, but, but which is... I just, just want to say, my, I'm going to pause it here. Like, I think it has to do with me when you unleash media. So of that day, that was the form of the internet or the Twitter or whatever, the collective mind it, at that. You might think about it if you think about it, like with Terrence McKenna of just, or like other brain theory for neuroscience, they say the more nodes of connection, the kind of more you would have a global brain that's accurate. That's why AI is so powerful because it can map all right. these connections. But, you know, um, certainly photographs and radio and TV, budding TV, all of those things and film, I guess is better, moving pictures. Those are new um, ways for the global brain to start connecting. And I'm, I'm mm -hmm. talking 100 years ago. And so it would, it would um, you know, kind of answering my own question earlier, like the, the rise of a, of a global war and a kind of the use of the mass media to um, control the passions of a populace so that they would, you know, consent to a kind of war machine or whatever to placate them or whatever, like that would be the black in this analogy, you know, World War II and the ability for propaganda to make World War II happen. Um, and in our day and age, yeah, I mean, what I think I'm just thinking that what's the new version? I mean, we're seeing the Russia thing, but mm. is there some other types of asymmetric war? I mean, there's certainly a war on poor people um, that's happening, a war on, you know, I'm just kind of, I'm just, well, um, go ahead. Here, but you see what I'm saying? There's, there could be yeah, something yeah, emergent now uh, that's people, they would say Trump. A lot of people would say it was Trump. He was what social media created. But is that really the true blackness or is there something deeper here? Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I think there's something deeper. Like, like before we've talked a lot about uh, the Saturn cycles, right? And, and so, so this, this period, 2020s is parallel to the, uh, parallel to both the 1960s and the 1930s. And so we see these, th these same things coming through, you know, it's like this, this time of like a, the end of one cycle and the beginning of, an, of, of the other, like the, the same as the uh, uh, Saturn being uh, what father time yeah. and the, the old year, he, you see him as an old man at the end of the year. And then he, with his scythe in his hand and he's, he's, he's draped in black, black robes. And then New Year's happens and then it's a baby that's born, you know? And so that's the point where we're at, you know, it's like, if, if, if you want to, uh, so it's a Saturn cycle. So, so it's like, a, again, it gets in, back into melancholy, all of this stuff. Um, but uh, no, what was I going to say? We're um, talking about the blackness and this kind of collective kind of maybe physical. It's not just psychological, but it's physical. Right. And like, what are the physical things we can expect here? I mean, you know, climate change, you've got... Um, I, like I think earth, it's earth changes, right? Like, a, like these things, like, it, like, uh, things that don't have anything to do necessarily or, or scientifically that we know of at the moment, things like earthquakes, you know, it's like, uh, um, tsunamis, you know, like, uh, these things that, uh, 
deeply concern the body of the earth you know um if we are the if we are the uh the noosphere especially this this emerging this is this is something that uh um uh marshall McLuhan talked about like like spinning off from Desjardins. you know it's like that we are the noosphere the noosphere affects the body you know and and uh so who knows what's a, what what's going to happen? But the other thing, this is the thing that we have to uh, think about: is do we want this alchemical transformation? You know, is it is it even necessary? You know, like Jung thought it was. You know, a lot of these people think it is necessary. But um, but if we look into the history of it, like we, we were talking about the Rosicrucians before, and this is something that uh, Frances Yates traces. Right? She's saying that. Uh, um, Rosicrucians and these Rosicrucian societies, these Hermetic societies in in Britain, directly led to the formation of the Royal Society, which is the official sort of scientific body of of of, uh, of England, right? And and all of this science comes directly out of the these these groups like the the Royal Society, right? And so it's like a yeah. That kind of alchemical vision is is there at the basis of science, you know. Yeah. This idea that we need to transform the world, yeah. right? We need to create, break everything down to its 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 like uh, fundamental particles, fundamental matter, and then from that, turn it into gold, you know, the lead into gold idea, you know. And and but the counter argument to that is that. Uh, we don't need to do that. You know, it's like the, the, the counter sort of mystical tradition is that we are already are living in a world of, of gold, of, of pure gold. And it's just a matter of noticing it, you know? <laughs> and so I think that's the, we don't need the alchemy or, or, or the alchemy happens in, in our, in, within ourselves as a, as a, as a change of, per, of perception, basically. Yeah. And if, and if someone is, um, stagnant in that process, the hoi polloi, let's say the masses are stagnant in that inner alchem alchemical process. Um, you might get manifestations like a Hitler and a war and mass death because that's, you know, um, they're the only thing they're able to sort of operate. I mean, this sounds, this I'll probably, if someone heard this, they'd probably say, you're, you know, you're justifying, this is like a right wing model or something. But I, I guess what I'm saying is that if people were more, uh, um, inculcated and kind of um, impervious to the propaganda. Um, and I'm calling that an inner alchemy where you would just have a kind of, you, you'd be able to see through lies, let's say. You, you, the world would change around us. I mean, the way communities are organized, the way the government structures are organized. I mean, it's a, it's a way of saying that this um, anar anarchist, Magic was that? What was the phrase you guys were using earlier? Anarchist miracle. That's from uh, crying of lot forty nine. Yeah, the anarchist mm -hmm. miracle as, as a predicate requirement would be this kind of inner alchemical um, that this realization of the gold that you just said. Because right, once you right. realize it's all gold everywhere, then it's just. I think that would be kind of a under that would undergird strongly an al alchemist magical societal structure. Well, Whereas this was it, this. Just one quick thing. I just want to say, whereas if you don't believe it's gold everywhere, then the taboo against death can dominate you. Then the taboo against saying the emperor has no clothes, we'll be dominant. You know, then the, ta the taboo has room to, to control, dominate and manipulate. 
because um, there's almost a taboo about saying gold is, it's all gold. That's kind of similar, isn't it? To saying like life has value is just as taboo as saying mm-hmm. there's no value, you know, but go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just going to say that, 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 is, that ends up being the, uh, the main uh, heresy of the middle ages, like the, the brethren of the brethren of the free spirit. Uh, we probably talked about this before, but it's like a, um, the idea that Christ has already redeemed the world and redeemed history. Therefore, we are already at the point of back to the the garden. We're already we're already back to the garden, um, and th- therefore um, we're free of law. We're free of the state. We're free of uh, we're free of money. We're free of all all taboos. You know, it's we're back in the garden, and it, and it's just a matter of of realizing that, right? And that that <laughs> the Catholic Church hated that like that that's complete. Um, it is Gnosticism, but it's 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 not the same Gnosticism that we we're talking about before, where the idea that uh, the world is fallen. Um, this is the Gnosticism in the sense Gnostic being truth, um, the Gnosticism of the world being redeemed right now. Like Christ has already redeemed the world, right? Yeah, this um, is. Uh, Go ahead. I don't want to. I just want to. Well, no, no, that's fine. Yeah, yeah go. I was just going to say this. I've been thinking about this a lot lately because I've met some Pentecostal missionaries. There's a bunch of missionaries that always come through here, and they're good people. They're just like kids. Like, but I met some that are just really cool, and um, I'm sure we don't agree on a lot of doctrinal stuff. But I was talking to them, you know, having coffee with them a couple of weeks back, and thinking about um, the Christ message. And if you're going to start reading the, I don't know if you're starting on the old Testament, I guess you probably are, but yeah, right from the beginning. Yeah. When you get to the new Testament, read that against this idea of like the kind of radical resistance power of the, sometimes those King James's will even have red letters. You can get ones with the oh, red yeah, letters yeah, it's, of Jesus. It's the, yeah. The, the, the words of Jesus. I've, I've read the new Testament, like a, a probably a few you, times Okay. Off, yeah. So you have it here, but, but this, it's the, it's the idea that Jesus. So I was telling them, I was like the most powerful ideas, subversive, subversive ideas in a way it's like the red letter of Jesus. I was saying it's the five freedoms. So it's like Naomi Wolf, you know, about her. Yeah. She was banned from Twitter, but she had this whole thing, the five freedoms of the constitution of the first amendment. Like mm-hmm. if you combine those five freedoms with that like the sacred heart of Jesus and the kind of uh, non-discriminatory uh, power of the Jesus teaching, which is like the whore, the thief, everybody's redeemed, everybody gets mm-hmm, in, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, that I can't think of a more subversive, to be honest. I mean, it's all, it's there, it's in the Jesus story. And so well, kind of, when I saw, I saw that, I was like, dang, am I, I can kind of see this as becoming maybe more central to my, um, maybe my spiritual worldviews, like bring Jesus into the mix. It's in the Gnostics. Well, that's what I was saying before with Doug. I don't know if you were part of that conversation, but this book um, by Agrippa, the three books of occult philosophy, and even now, like ceremonial magicians, like occult orders now are say, this book is the key book, you know, to, to understand, understand these three, three forms of magic, natural magic, celestial magic, and ceremonial magic, right? Which book but, is the key book? Um, this, the three books. Okay, the three, the three books, books is the key book. The three, bo- key. Okay. The three books, yeah. yeah. 
in terms of really wanting to understand magic, this is what you need to concentrate on. Like, like Crowley said that, and everybody following Crowley said that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. but this book sums up, if you read it to the end, it's like the most powerful magic is, is the name of Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <You know>? yeah. <laughs> and, and why is that? Why is that? It's because it's the perfect, um, Jesus is the perfect uh, union of spirit and matter. And, and through that, everything is redeemed and everything is forgiven. Um, and this was, this was Blake's point of view as, as, as well. It's like the essential magic, or I don't, I don't think he said magic, but essential philosophy of, of Christianity is, is the ability to forgive sins. Like you can find, you can find a great ethical system in, in Socrates and in Plato, right? But that, that idea that you can forgive sins is not there because usually that involves sacrifice. It, it, it involves like the history of religion all the way through. It's, it's like that involves sacrifice, which Laws is and, yeah, um, measurements. Yeah. And, and, yeah. Well, sacrifice, making something sacred again, like making something sacred by ritually killing it or whatever. Right. But, uh, yeah. um, but Christ, usually it's a proportion or there's a method that, that it, it's like, it's something well, that you can measure, right? It's just, it, you know, in terms of if this happens, you need to do this sacrifice, this number, sure. and then and then your penance are met, right? You've you've met the threshold. But go ahead, sir. But then it I continues. Mean, then it continues. So so you you have to keep sacrificing in order to uh, in, in order to rework the magic, right? Yeah. But what happens with Christ is that it's God Himself coming to Earth and sacrificing Himself. For humanity for all time so that no sacrifices need to happen ever again right um and that's the central metaphor you know like that that is and you find that um it's not only in christianity like you find that all the way back like i've I'm, I'm, been reading about sumerian religion and and like this idea of uh Demuzi and anana that we were talking about before that you can find it even there you know but it, it's like uh the unique thing about christ is that it it supposedly it ha it happened in history, right? So it redeems history. Um, it's not only mythological anymore. Yeah, and I I mean for me that's I I could say it even you it still happened in history even if the uh, Christ story is a metaphor because that is you right. It's actually a metaphor for certainly. The, the, are you there? Yeah, yeah, my computer was just spazzing out a bit. Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you well. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, so so the idea would be that it's like you could still have that not even being a real story, but it's pointing us to the nature of our physical material, our physical reality. And I go back to like paying attention to the stars. Right. Um, and this is in the Gnostics. This is why I think that like I tend to like the Gnostic Christ because it's, they're even more clear in a certain way, like with direct oh, yeah, language yeah, yeah. Yeah. that this is like a, this is like a Neo. It's like a Neo. And, and, like, and, and more clearly resembles Dionysus too. Like this idea that uh, um, humanity has the sparks of the Titans, the, the older gods within us, you know, like that's a, what I was just going to say is that it's this, it's the, the divine spark is it's already there. You already have it. That's just, this is right. the kind of what I was trying to connect it to is, 
your idea that there's the redemption has taken place. Well, the point is you're born redeemed, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're born with these, this co-creative power that God, you're made in the image of God. Therefore you can create just like God, right? You are gods. You are God. Right. And, and so to me, and, and not only that, but this is where like the Christ becomes so subversive. It like, it applies to everyone everywhere at all times, no being left out. It's like this radical inclusion. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that is a huge threat. You, you, I mean, if like, and that's why I like these Christians, like these, this couple I met, they're awesome people aside from their, I mean, I'm like, Oh, but they're Christians. I don't mean it like that, but <laughs> people that really embody this, they're like, they're really are happy all the time. They're always like giving things away and serving other people. It's kind of like the anarchist magic. Right. These Christians, some of these Christians really embody that because of this kind of radical inclusion of the gold is already here and everybody gets to see everybody's a part of it, mm -hmm. you know? And, and so I've been inspired by that for sure lately. And I, and I do think that, um, the other thing, um, uh, about this, I was, I, I've been, I've been reading, uh, uh, Tolkien a lot. And then some of the other inklings as well, like, uh, like, uh, CS Lewis and then Charles Williams. And I've been watching, uh, videos on them. Um, but this, I think this is one thing that uh, um, Tolkien said to Lewis before Lewis became a Christian. It was basically through Tolkien's um, influence that, that Lewis became such a strong Christian. But uh, um, Tolkien said that literature, all of literature together, like um, looking at from the earliest myths to the, the, the most recent novels that have come out, everything, right? It's like, if you view that as one big book, one big story, wow. right? Um, and, and there is a way to think of it like that. A lot of people have that idea, but it doesn't make any sense um, if you don't, if you leave out the story of Christ, right? He said, it's as if you had that massive book and you took out the central chapter within it mm -hmm. and it's the chapter that ties everything together, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So, so that's such a powerful idea. It's, it's so, so it's like, um, or Hamlet, you could a lot, put Hamlet a lot, in, a lot of like, right. Cause we've been talking about Hamlet. Put every, you put, just you put, put everything, you put everything I mean, into it. Like, uh, I understand, um, so, but just, you could rephrase that to say Hamlet is the key story because it's a Christ story. So like this yeah, is yeah, going yeah, yeah. just to, so, so, yeah, so go, then go every, everything becomes the Christ story, right? Like Hamlet, yeah, everything, yeah, yeah. everything becomes Finnegan's wake, you know, Hamlet's the, mill, the, right? yeah, yeah. The, 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 the same thing, it, it, but it's like, uh, uh, oh, what else? Uh, Sorry. Uh, I jumped in there on you. I just, yeah, I just, I thought that was important to mention. Him, yeah. Okay, yeah yeah so so um uh fuck you were saying uh, so you come back if you if you have this body of western literature of the last you know the canon let's say and you don't include the christ story that's like um keep removing the key chapter or the the essential chapter of the whole shebang so you have to yeah, put christ, yeah. the christ story and that's what you were had just said and you were talking about yeah. someone who has the theory who has this theory who's written who who is Tolkien Tolkien so the Tolkien and you were saying when Tolkien, Tolkien. and C.S. Lewis's conversion and when C.S. Lewis was about to convert he so you were kind of going back to that I don't know if that helps yeah at all. there's another idea that was I had but anyway so so um yeah that becomes central to Tolkien's whole thinking right so he through oh this is what i was going to say through that he ends up affirming all of literature so it's it's not like um i i grew up in a pentecostal family and i was i was always sort of repulsed by it 
in a sense because it's so narrow-minded right it's so it's like the bible is the only thing you know it's like all other literature all other religion um should be thrown out and just focus on the bible like it, it not literally thrown out or burnt or anything but just it's not useful you know but Tolkien's view of it is like now from that perspective, once we have included the central chapter into it, then again, it redeems all of literature, right? And so every facet of literature can be looked at through that lens, just as you did with Hamlet, right? Like, a, um, so, so uh, this is, it, to me, this is uh, uh, amazing. I just, yeah, it, because I've, I, through Joyce and through all these other influences, I've, I've already sort of been reaching that point like Finnegan's Wake is is all about that like once you read Finnegan's Wake everything turns into Finnegan's Wake and and everything is included in Finnegan's Wake but uh this inclusion that Tolkien's talking about makes it even deeper you know then right at the center of all of literature is this absolute coupling of spirit and matter the final sacrifices that redeems everything you know past present future everywhere you know um and then and then (laughs) and then you expand that with uh mcluhan right like so so mcluhan is he's saying that uh why stop at just the written word why stop at just literature right and so he he is saying that uh um literature can be extended through all media and, and through all technology, right? And so couple couple those ideas, then every every single technology, every single thing um, embodies that Christ vision, if you want to call it that, you know? Yeah. Um, why it's the radiating sacred. That's why I love the sacred heart is one of my favorite religious images because it's like right, literally right. a glowing heart. It's glowing. And that it's like everywhere at all times. If you're conscious, you know, and even animals could have, you know, but it's like, it's the shard, right? It's the shard of the divinity that we, this glowing sacred heart. And like, it's, yeah, there's no way it's never, you're never outside of it. As long as you're a perceiver, you have this shard with, you know, so I, I think that's beautiful. Um, what was I going to say about um, just, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure I was, oh, I was going to say the 1984 is a Christ. I mean, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm like going back and looking at different stories and like, where's the Christ in it? And that's a, that's a story of like um, abandonment. Why have thou forsaken me? And like the father oh, yeah. and totally yeah. the search for what's real and like the, you know, stepping uh, even with like the woman, the sex, you know, that's part of the Christ mm. story with Mary Magdalene and yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting. It's an interesting way to look at things, for sure. I, and, I and the, yeah. the parts in them, uh, just because you're talking about 1984, right? Like the the parts um, where Winston is being tortured in uh, Room 101, mm-hmm. and then the key question is like, "Do you believe in God, Winston?" Yeah. And because he's been brought up in an atheist society, he says no, and that's what sinks him. He, he's sunk at that point, you know, yeah. because then there's nothing else. Then they're like, "Well, what do you believe in?" Your friends have betrayed you. Look at your body in the mirror; it's falling apart. Um, there's no other ideology that's going to support you. What? There's nothing. There's only us. There's only the state and Big Brother, right? So once you toss out this this idea of God, um, which, yeah, I'm not going to try to define it. It's it's something undefinable. But this this sort of essence 
the spark in everything, you know, once you get rid of, yeah, once you get rid of that idea, then you are fully controllable, you know, Um, that's when you do become a slave. And that's why, I mean, and I hate, look, I'm just to be clear, I grew up as a Catholic, and I was a confirmed Catholic. And then I did, you know, where I'm from, there's a lot of Pentecostalism and just non-denominational stuff. And so I was around that. But I've never thought of myself even back then as like identifying with the goals of those groups, right? Those institutions. So I just want to be clear about that. Um, But it does make me think like these Christians, it's like in our current milieu. So let's just talk about world economic forum again, fourth industrial revolution, you know, the implantables and the kind of, you know, let's say that assume that is dangerous and actually Naval Harari, so he says, mm-hmm. God is fake. That's all a creation of the computer mind. We know that now. Any ideas of divinity or divine, that's just an old um, antiquated anachronism. We now have the science that proves you're just a machine. Like that's one of his fundamental beliefs right. and a fundamental tenet. And you can see clearly what flows from that is his like dehumanization of large swaths of people. He says, look, they're useless. These people are useless. And we have, it's the biggest threat of, to all of society is dealing with these, these people that have no value. Like that's what he's, that's his statement. This is why I hate this, these memes of NPCs, you know, I, I, I hate that idea. Like nobody's an NPC, you know, it's like that yeah. Joyce again, I've never met a boring human being, you know, Everybody has these sparks to them. You know, we, we perpetuate these ideas that everybody's an NPC or everybody's a zombie or everybody's like a, a, a tulpa or something like that. Then we are playing into their hands, you know, this, this kind of antichrist vision of things. Yeah, um, exactly. So, I mean, I haven't really used that. I haven't really ever related that. To, and I have a lot of friends. I've tried to keep my relationships with people that, you know, I was talking about earlier, like this guy was like, we've got to censor Twitter because why? January 6th, January 6th. It's like, dude, I don't even go there with people. Like, I don't, can I send you some articles about what that really was? I think it's just a PSYOP personally, FBI, COINTELPRO style PSYOP. But it seems, it seems like it was a trap of some sort, but it's, just, uh, it's, it's, to, I, it's to call up an enemy, you know, but so setting all that aside, my point is I'm trying to stay connected with all kinds of people with all different beliefs because if this exact point, they're sentient loving beings and they deserve, mm-hmm. everybody has, they deserve to be treated with respect, no matter what you believe. It's like this guy that goes into the KKK, you know, the, the, the melanated guy, and he goes right to these KKK meetings and he like makes friends. Oh, yeah, with yeah, them. I heard of that guy. And it's this same principle and it's the Christ principle, you know, it's like mm-hmm. treat your neighbor as yourself. And I, I, there's got to yeah. be a quote from the New Testament. There's something that's probably has a deeper context there, but this is Christ. You're talking about Christ now. And, and Naval Harari is a fucking evil Satan. No, I'm just, I'm just, I don't want to, even him, <laughs> even he's redeemable, right? But it's probably, he's Israeli. So we're, now we're, it's, we're probably getting into anti-Semitic territory, like Christian to fight the, you know, the Israeli kind of devil no, ideology. No, no, no. I'm, just, I'm just kidding. But this is how, but this is how easily <laughs> well, some of this stuff gets framed, right? I know, you know that's true though. That's true though. It does get framed like this, like explicitly it gets, it gets framed like that. And like even, even, yeah. even, even people like Joseph Conrad, I uh, know. So jo- Joseph Campbell, like, yeah. uh, yeah. yep. like they fall into this. Right. And then it, it's like, uh, yeah. But it's, but even like, it's like this would, what you, it's to fully go to this kind of Christ model and, and let's just, you know, even give it a new label to kind of take it out of Christianity. 
well, it's in Buddhism too. It's in it's yeah. in Islam. Yeah. It's 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 in Judaism, yeah. right? Like it's it's in Buddhism, um, absolutely. So, but yeah. like, to, but you, if you were to fully embrace it, you will come up against people in the system. It's like in the Matrix. Neo awakes, and then he has to get go to the. Um, eventually, he he goes. It's like this in in the trilogy, in the original trilogy. First, it's Smiths, but then it's all of these other characters that are invested in this kind of tr this fundamental awakening not happening because it would basically corrupt their um, rackets. It would it would it would it would make their rackets not uh, inoperable, right? Not profitable. Right. And so right. it's, so it's a metaphor, like take it out of Christian and Jew. That's just the current version of this metaphor. Um, well, it's, 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 it's the, it's the priests versus the shamans is basically what it boils yeah. down to, right? It's, it's like, um, it's, it's monopolizing vision, essentially, you know, it's like, a um, when the priesthoods form in the early city states or whatever, um, the first people they go after are the independent shamans, you know, who don't follow along. Like hopefully most of them, most of the shamans join in, in the priesthood, but those that don't are, are like uh, cast out or destroyed, you know? Um, and the priesthoods are going to be connected very closely to the economic architecture. So yeah, like yeah. The, well, the, the, uh, the temples were the first banks, you know, first banks. Uh, so it's again, the Jesus story. This it's, it's, right. it's, it's not about, people that are identify or identify as Jewish in our current context. This is, this is a meta story that goes back thousands of years. It's, oh, yeah, yeah, and it's yeah, making yeah. a principle here that you connect the materiality and the officialdom are connected as a, as a way to, you know, whether it's good or bad or whatever. But I mean, when you start overthrowing officialdom, you're going right after the kind of heart of the heart of darkness or the heart of the control architecture. And yeah, it's um, yeah. well. Yeah. This is the thing. Like this is this is why uh, the anti-vax thing is such a such a terrible thing for people. It's not it's not because you're not vaccinated and, and you're helping to spread the disease or whatever, right? Like the, all that bullshit. It's not that. Like that's a part of it. Not that might be what people say is the problem, right? But the real problem is that it's a heresy. You know, yeah. it's like a, you you're going against the you're going against the priesthood, you know, the, the experts and the elites, you know, it's like, a, um, and that's all that it is, you know, it's like that um, you're, you're, you're daring to say that your own God given immune system is just as good as anything produced by cutting edge science, you know, like that's <laughs> exactly, um, exactly. It's going against the regime of truth. I like that phrase or the kind of ideology, the collective ideology and, and same with the quote unquote N word. That's a whole different kind of take on it, but it's just another thing where you have to, it's either conform. If you're not conforming, you're a threat and there's a survival instinct there to conform, to survive. Um, that's a part. And that's why the people theorize so-called women quote unquote are more conformist because their odds of surviving outside of the herd. I know that's a little controversial, but you know, um, and I'm not saying that the other good thing that so-called women have is that they have the instinct of the mother instinct, which can often fuel nonconformity if it's a survival mm -hmm. necessity. So they, I think you, you know, so I think anyhow, well, the, this is like back to Corey Morningstar again. It's like that, um, 
this is the thing that she says mostly it's 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 like in it, it's attack on the feminine right like it's an attack on on women and the feminine and nature all of these things that people used to talk about in the 90s like this it's sort of eco-feminist viewpoint that's yeah. now been totally tossed out you know but but uh I like that vananda shiva do you remember she's yeah, still yeah, fighting no, a good fight awesome. but now yeah, she's, she's a right-wing awesome. nutcase according to the official ideology but when she was oh, really? celebrated yeah. before as a yeah. eco-feminism and i mean i remember she would they were held up in the academy in the 90s yes. When yeah. I came up, these these ideas, even like Michael Parenti and like well, Naomi Wolf is is key. Yeah. Yeah, like that's a, yeah. I, I miss <clears> those <throat> days because that was like the, that's the left that I identify with. That I oh, me too, from. me too, me too. Like and this then, is the uh, yeah. this is what needs to come back. Like people, I was Absolutely. thinking about that the other day. It's like uh, um, people all the time say uh, I'm politically homeless, right? Because the the left has has completely let let us down, right? And so I'm politically homeless. I don't know where I fit politically, but I sort of think of that metaphor of being politically homeless. And that I don't think that's accurate. A more accurate metaphor is that <laughs> we're left now in a giant home with almost nobody living in it. You know, it's like this giant ramshackle mansion that has tons of rooms and, and, and hallways and stuff. And we're just like a solitary voices yelling in the hall, trying to find each other, you know? And everybody else has moved rightward, you know, they've, they've moved into another home somewhere. And so it's not, we're not homeless, you know, we're not homeless. We have a huge vacant house just waiting for people to join us. In. Um, yeah. Well, it's, is Corey Morningstar banned from Twitter? Because, or did she just No, no, tweeting? she's not, she's, she's not, uh, she just, she, you know, she tweets every once in a while, but uh, yeah, she's, she does a podcast like every once in a while um, called okay. Aesthetic Resistance with a bunch of other awesome uh, people um, okay. that, that I never miss an episode of, 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 of those guys talking. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I just want to come. Yeah. I mean, this, this is the real stuff. Yeah. We're talking about the, the kind of true left and the true resistance. And Musk just shared the meme. You know, I, I don't follow, but it came up where he's like, the idea that the left became far left, and so the center was now right. Yeah, I, I, I completely disagree with that. Me too. I it's think just, he's. I think yeah. he's. He's. I don't know if he's intentionally obscuring things, but you 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 hear those arguments coming from uh, libertarians, you know, especially like billionaire libertarians like <laughs> Musk and Thiel and these these guys, you know, like that. Um, I, I I yeah, I, I totally think it's a false argument. I mean, for me, it's like there, it's the focus again to on the social issues, which I'm not saying aren't real, but there's a deliberate strategy of billion, the billionaire class to make the left right spectrum be about really social stuff. So, and oh, that's yeah, it. for sure. Yeah, for sure. Because it, it gets, gets us all divided, right? And then the economic stuff where everybody's gone and the wars, that's people are just far right. I mean, everything's moved right. Right. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and so um, someone like me who was like a radical left before now I'm like, who knows, right wing or left anybody, you know, no, I, I just consider for myself, I, I, like I said, I haven't moved, you know, everybody's yeah. moved away from me, but I haven't moved. My, my views haven't changed. I am as far left as I always 
Same I've been in, probably even more so now because I, I realize it more, you know, it's like, a, Same with me. I'm, I'm an anarchist communist. I've always been an anarchist communist, yeah. even though people who are an Antifa call themselves anarchist communists and they're obviously just fascist, you know? Um, but, uh, I, I, yeah, I haven't changed. I'm, I, I welcome people into my house, you know, <laughs> we're not homeless. I've been yeah. kind of a libert. I, I do kind of like the label libertarian, probably a little bit more than you, but more of like um, anarcho-libertarianism or well, kind of. Well, this is Murray Bookshin. I don't know if you know who he is. But oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, he was an follow like a. Yeah. Um, I was influenced well, the, by him. The, the bioregions, the... and he has this idea of bioregions. It's mm -hmm. like, a, but it's basically localism, agorism. You know, James Corbett, this kind of style of like functional and practical agorism as a means for like mutual aid, you know, I mean, these kind of models, but certainly a critic of establishment, you know, architecture. And that's the big distinction I make is that these, these people that we call left are not left at all. They're right. They're completely in tow. Yeah. Know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kowtow yeah. They're, to the they're corporatists. They're, they're imperialists. Mongers, they're, yeah. yeah. Imperialist um, corporatists. So that's like Musk's diagram is completely wrong. It's just, it, it, he's not taking that into account. But um, the thing is like, also it's like you find this kind of, I, it, it starts kind of with this, the American libertarian movement, this kind of muddying of the definitions. Right. But this is something that even Murray Rothbard talked about initially is that libertarianism is a movement from the left you know, it traces yeah. its roots back to American anarchist individualism, like yes. like uh, people like Josiah Warren and Benjamin Tucker and Lysander Spooner and these guys. Yes. You know, and that that's that's the direct lineage. And those yep. those people considered themselves socialists, and they yeah. they considered themselves socialists because um, they were fighting for the working class, and that was the sole meaning of socialism. It's not how it gets spun now, especially by libertarians, is that socialism equals state power but initial socialism didn't have anything to do with state power people uh um these original socialist groups like uh were opposed to the state it was only it was only with um first with marx who even marx was saying um with the state that we had to take over the state but then uh it would just be a transitional period and then we would enter into the stateless and classless society. That was his view in the view of the Marxists. Um, and the only difference between them and the anarchists was the anarchists were saying, no, we don't want this transitional period because that's going to lead to tyranny. And the anarchists were right. Yeah. But then what happens after Marx is then you have Fabian socialists, so-called, who say, no, we want to reform things from the inside and we want to take over state power through the ballot. And that's when, that's when the rot set in, I think, you know, um, and, and, and in, in a way it's like, um, the left now, uh, has reached the point of total decay from that, <laughs> Oh yeah, from that, from that point, you know, it's like, uh, total decay. I mean, there is no left except of these kind of stragglers that there is a left actually, let me put it another way. It's just not given uh, any kind of popular attention. So there's like well, the gray yeah. zones and the morning stars and the Whitney Webs, and I would even put James Corbett in it because I think it's well, for, he's an he's an agorist, right? He's an so, agorist. So yeah. it's the same. Yeah, I have this argument with my uh, with a friend of mine here about Corbett, 
and my friend says Corbett's on the right, uh, but he's not. He, he's no. not. You know. No, he's not. Um, like he's there is, there is. It, it gets tricky, right? Because you have uh, Murray Rothbard, um, who identified himself as a student leader on the left in the '60s. He moves as the decades go on. He moves more and more aligned with conservatives who are actually on the right. Um, so that's when I think that's when things get muddy, you know, and then what arises from that is this idea of the, the, the horseshoe theory of, of this up the political spectrum where people say, yeah, Stalin and Hitler are the same, you know, it doesn't, they're both socialists. You're both in, it's absolute bullshit. Like, I don't, I don't agree with either of them, obviously, you know, like, uh, but Stalin is a totalitarian socialist who was against capitalism. Um, and Hitler was, Hitler didn't overthrow capitalism at all, you know, that's why they were... capitalist, state state, state state capitalism. Yeah, 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 that's why they were arch enemies. Um, uh, and, 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 and so then with the, his, then you have this horseshoe theory. So then you have liberals who are at the, the 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 turn of the horseshoe and they're saying i'm not going to go either direction i'm not going to turn to the left because the left is the same point as going to the right so i'm going to try to stay in the middle which is an impossible position to maintain because um the system under crisis becomes more and more fascist capitalism under crisis becomes fascist and so these guys are pushing are, are getting pushed naturally towards fascism um, because they're not taking the, the the move to the left yeah no i'm with you i um i i mean yeah these, these things have to be have to be clear about our language and and uh, i don't you know we've had this conversation i think at length and i don't i think there's probably some similarities um in terms of mechanism that have to do more with like media propaganda and then oh for sure those things are of course like police policing like 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 totalitarianism yeah yeah totalitarian societies in in that sense are the same you know but but but, uh the underlying beliefs are clearly radically stalin was a true believing communist as far as i yeah 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 And I've actually liked, I mean, look, I'm not like going to be apologist if there was horrible crimes, but the more I've read about Stalin, the more it just seems like he was caught. I mean, he was given a bunch of power and then obviously um, with that power comes um, tragedy, right? And, and horrible things, but he seems to be of all of the ones I've seen, like Stalin versus like Churchill, for example, I picked, I mean, right. just Stalin. I mean, I, I, this sounds insane, but like Stalin, no, no, me too. Like Churchill is like, like, I mean, have you seen the beliefs he's had about like subhumans and you oh, know, no, it, yeah, in Africa? Yeah. And I mean, the idea the that like, this kind of um, eugenics that emerges not from Stalin, as much from what I can tell, I don't see as much of a eugenics model versus the Western imperialist and authoritarian models of like Hitler and, and, and Churchill. So that alone puts, put me in the Stalin camp. Uh, and well, also you- like the poor people were treated. I mean, right. from what I, everybody I've talked to that lived under uh, the Soviet union, they always had the basics. Like you got some bread and flour and you, you know, and in America, I mean, and in some of these West, just read about like the 70s and the homelessness and, and like the 80s. I mean, it's like, and even today we see the full flowering of this complete exploitation of poor people. They're seen as just unworthless and they're cast aside. And you didn't right, have right. that under Stalinism. 
Well, it's it, even if you look at uh, like I, I told you, I watched Triumph of the Will, um, and I want to be clear about that. Like I'm, I'm going through movies. Like I went through movies of the 20s. Now we're going into movies. I, I watch it with my kids, you know. And so right before we watched Triumph of the Will, we watched Freaks. I don't know if you've seen that movie. Um, it, it comes out in the around the same time, uh, early 30s or something, um, and. Uh, it's a completely anti-eugenics movie. Like it's it's full-on anti-eugenics. It's about circus freaks, and you see actual pinheads and actual like uh, that's probably the wrong word, you know. But <laughs> um, like people with uh, like skull deformations, and then uh, like midgets, which is another bad word, you know. Like all these different all these different physical freaks are in the movie, and and you see them. Uh, as actual people and actual people who are who are having kids together like this yeah. is the the most taboo thing is freaks having kids yeah. um like there was a there was a what i think it was a midget plus the bearded lady or something got together and they had a bearded kid <laughs> you know like it's, it's full-on eugenics uh, anti-eugenics right yeah. and so you have on that side this um freaks and then at the same time you have triumph of the will which is like purity like this idea of purity and order and these 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 beautiful blonde blue-eyed uh super beings you know and everything's everything's controlled and everything's ordered and these huge nuremberg rally where everybody's moving as if they're a cog in the machine you know like these two visions happening at the same time um is fascinating and then you you uh compare that with uh um, Soviet propaganda films um, from even earlier from the 1920s and stuff and there's a huge difference it's like yeah. when Eisenstein was making his propaganda films it's it's like he doesn't focus on the subject like it, yeah. it's not fo he focuses on the collective yeah. right and he's not focusing on a leader he's focusing on the Bruce. workers in yeah. general you yeah. know and and it, and it's not uh, it's not linear um, in the same way that uh, Triumph of the Will or American propaganda movies are, it's 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 all um, it's all avant-garde. You know, it's 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 all like uh, uh, all these different all these different ways to sub subvert the sort of linear narrative because that was part of that was part of their uh, their ethos as well. They they considered that to be bourgeois to focus on a linear narrative and focus on. Uh, particular subject and uh plot lines and, and all these things they subverted that because they thought they were bourgeois so they had this this entirely different form of pro uh, proletarian uh propaganda um yeah. agitprop you know agitprop, uh, yeah. yeah you see uh -huh. it here by the way so it's like all the uh, communist propaganda is on the main in the main square here there's the main museum and there's a mural of like the groups of workers all of all different eras and they're all together in a mass and and this is but so this is where just to come to bring this to another thread we've talked about extensively um this idea that like the narrative of christ right the hamlet whatever we've been talking about earlier in this conversation this kind of er core narrative that might be the nature of reality itself based on like something as fundamental as the movement of the sun through the year the birth and death and resurrection and all of this stuff um you know we have to bring in here the idea that in the communist mentality they um are atheists 
Right. And so right. what is so this is kind of a contradiction with how we describe I know this everybody. is a, this is a big flaw in the left I think. It, it, yeah. And it the left didn't start out as being atheist either, you know. So that, no. that's a um, the romantics like can, i mean like well you can mean, make the 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 brethren of the free spirit right like the yeah. the sort of a uh that heretical group i was talking about before they these guys were fully christian you know and but you can go further further back and say it's the original christians it's like christ yeah. and the original christians the early christians who are the first communist groups yeah not even but, the first right but i just want to say here like this is the kind of thing where on both sides of this so-called divide you have kind of pitfalls and you have you have strands that are like of the good work let's say <laughs> and then you have um, also kind of seeds of of maybe things that are, are antithetical and so and of course it's like a yin yang i mean it's like this is to be expected there's going to be no perfect system there's going to be like you know maybe an atheistic but maybe more egalitarian something that, and, and, but then you have something that's more linear and maybe that can breed kind of um, exploitation, you know, and that's spiritually oriented, you know, so at least in name. And, and, and so, I mean, I just think it's worth like this, you know, if you were to pick and pick and choose aspects of both systems, and I'm just going with this distinction that's made in history, Nazis, and not even Nazis, let's just say the Western, because I put Nazis with, the British and the Americans actually. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, me, I, I do as well. I group. Them I think this together. is what's yeah. what's happening now in in Ukraine. That's the resurgence of of, of full on Nazism. Yep, full on Nazism. It's but I mean even like with the rat lines and the church, you might even just say Catholics because there's Hitler's Pope, but then the post World um, War II uh, uh, fall the, of communism, the, monarch, the monarchies was, as well. Yeah. The mo so yeah, it's it's it, mm -hmm. I call it the like Western Empire, and it includes the you know the, the Queen of England and the Pope are both on the same team here. Right, right. And it's just <clears> kind of you know about this, but so you have that. There's problems there. Then you have more of a, maybe a Rus Russia Chinese kind of collectivist communist you know vision and. Anyhow, I'm kind of losing steam with what I was trying to say, but just to just to point out, I think picking and choosing is is um, you know is probably we have the convenience of being able to do that historically, and in the current moment, I mean, I know where I stand. I'm with like people um, like Jimmy Dore, Gray Zone, for more conventional politics. Like I stand with like truth tellers, even Cornell West. Oh, yeah. You know, people yeah. that are like telling the truth, resisting empire, basically socialist. Um, you know, uh, I mean, yeah, if you ask me what would if we have a state, should they pay for the health care? Yes. <laughs> I mean, um, but then if you talk about like in the occult circles, it's so weird because like they have been. They have been um, captured, let's say. Like, I don't even know what, how to describe it. I'm kind of, my energy levels are kind of dropping here a little bit, but like some of the modern occultism, they've become, I don't want to use this, but like woke. And I, that's, right. a, I hate that word. I hate that word, but like, I guess right. more interested in kind of appearances and checking outward boxes than maybe some kind of core truth. So um, you know, they're more interested in kind of the social pressures and conformity at a social level than some kind of authentic search. That might be a better way to say it. Um, 
and I so I'm, I'm just kind of losing my, my thinking here. All, all, all I want to, all I can say is that I think in our current milieu, you know, I think there are, you said this earlier, there are egresses through which we can move to kind of mm-hmm. fully embody core values and principles. And sometimes that might like look, be labeled left. Sometimes that may be labeled right. It's probably, you're probably, if you're doing it right, you're probably going to be on the receiving end of both of those labels at times by different, uh, by different enemies, you know, so-called, <laughs> um, you know, does that make, do, do you see what I'm saying? Like, it's oh, like, totally, yeah. totally. Like this is, um, I think these things are coming together too. Like I, I, uh, I just listened to, I just a while ago, I listened to a uh, podcast. Um, what's left, you know, these guys? No, no. These are great. Like I'll, I'll send you a link to, to you'd love these guys, I think. Um, okay. But, uh, Alison McDowell was on it, and oh. I know you have problems with her sometimes. But uh, I'm basically um, a fan. I, I know we had that email exchange. I'm a fan. I just wish she was a little. Some of her combativeness kind of rubs me the wrong way. That's all. It's more sure, the, yeah, the yeah, means yeah. Of, of her style than it is sometimes the ideas. But yeah, I like to listen to her too on the higher side chats. I've listened to her a few times, and she's always got good information. That's that's why I like her more than anything. But sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, in this talk, uh, she's getting into recent research that she's been doing, um, and you can tell she's just totally green at this stuff, you know. Um, and she's looking at basically the occult origins of the conspiracy. Like she, she, um, she <laughs> at times she sounds like Jan Irving or something. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> but it's 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 amazing to listen to her from that perspective, from her perspective, and the perspective of these guys on what's uh, what's left, um, who, who are all, um, socialist and like deeply, these guys are deeply against the, uh, what they call the lockdown left, you know, like, yeah. the, the, yeah. um, but, uh, um, me too. I mean, but, lockdown but, left is fucking pathetic. Sorry. It's, well, it's not, it's not Jesus even left, Christ. right? Like it's not yeah. even left, right? It's not but, left. No, it's not left. So what yeah. we're saying it's, it's become right wing. Yeah. Um, but, uh, no, it's fascinating to to hear hear her speak about all these things, and she's she's tying it with Fabian socialism, and and then all these different uh, occult orders that, especially, come from the eighteen eighties into the nineteen twenties, like that that this whole sort of modernist period that we've been looking at. Um, so it's yeah, it's great stuff. Oh yeah, I'd like to listen to that because I'm actually kind of interested. I'm very interested in the eighteen eighties as an occult, as like our kind of immediate we're, we're direct descendants from the occultism of the 1880s and, all, and oh, many, for sure, yeah. you know, and I, I'm a big fan of it, but I, I know there's probably some problematic sides. And so I'd be interested to hear anything about that for sure. But, you know, mm-hmm. we get, I think well, a lot is- of breakthroughs in the 1880s around kind of the syncretism that I value of, and connecting different strands and, you know, invented innovative, uh, ideas and, and kind of kind of reframing different spiritual th- strands um, and kind of presenting them anew for the new age. Like I always go back to uh, Gandhi didn't even hadn't read the Bhagavad Gita until he uh, met theosophists yeah. in London. <laughs> yeah, he's also inspired by um, uh, uh, Tolstoy. Yeah, um, by the nonviolent an Tolstoy. Yeah, uh-huh. he's an anarchist as well. Like a uh, but yeah, that that whole the, that period is this is is the turning of romanticism, what's left of romanticism into modernism, right? Yeah. Like, uh, and that's kind of what we've a lot been focusing on in this uh, 
with this book club stuff like we've been looking a lot uh, at the the, the postmodernists too but uh as as harold bloom says it's like uh even the postmodernists are just are basically just romantics like it's a, it's a whole kind of romantic tradition that we're looking at um so and so that means that all these guys like uh joyce and yates and ezra pound and all the all the modernists are just drenched in this kind of occultism that is problematic in some ways you know it's it's the same thing that we've been talking about these two sort of modes of alchemy like um external alchemy or maybe internal alchemy if we can call it like that like the way of the priest and the way of the shaman um and it's really hard to sort of unravel this stuff and you could tell just hearing um Alison McDowell is, is she's 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 just discovering this stuff so she's way over her head you know uh-huh. in, in a sense yeah um, but it's it's amazing to to hear it well she's got a good mind so I'd be curious just to see what connection she's making as a neo as a as a as a with her green hand her green thumb you know because there's probably um some interesting stuff that she's connection she's making but yeah I, I'm actually a fan of that like to me one of the things that saddens me about the current moment in the occult world is that they're ever there. It's like in vogue to hate on the spiritual scene of the 1880s. Mm-hmm. You know? And and that's what I was trying to ask Doug earlier. It's like, this is like the height of our potential, like syncretism, making new connections, writing books that are in, you know, make, you know, shit, um, combining ideas and seeing a new something new that has value and that's what they were doing but of course they're taken down as like oh you just created shit out of thin air and you're culturally appropriating and to me that's just the wrong view i think they'll be rehabilitated eventually but mm-hmm. and for for the value that they actually and i don't know what her critiques are that's probably a whole separate thing but yeah this is all tied into like politics of eugenics and every, yeah. everything else like the, yeah. the whole rise of the nazi party like yes. all of these things are like bound together which is yeah. so hard to to unbind them yeah you, know, you can't to, yeah um it's impossible and even like the rise of zionism comes out of, of some yeah, of these yeah, ideas. yeah so yeah she's into that side of it just that these groups were and that's a problematic i'm more into like this is why i like crowley crowleyism because it's Christ. Uh, every man and woman is a star and he's right. very, it's very progressive and very inclusive, the kind of Crowleyization of some of this stuff. And so uh, there was certainly, and this is why I like the Western, you know, even if you talk about the English, um, even the Dean, Dean, maybe, I don't know if John Dee's work that much, but there can't, is a kind of Christian that goes back to what we're saying of this inclusive yeah, nature. Christian capitalism. Right. Yeah. And, and so, um, you know, you get that in Crowley and I don't, I think Crowley is certainly the opposite of the eugenicist. I mean, he, whatever eugenic strands emerge out of the golden dawn and, and it's, it's, it's hard to say with Crowley though. Like he, obviously he was really into producing the moon child, which is a, that's a eugenics project for sure. And that's at the center of Crowley's thinking. Um, it, is it more of a spirit? I think if it's maybe more of a spiritual and look, of course you've got the slaves will be the slaves. So there's certainly an elitism. Oh, yeah. He comes yeah. from Cambridge. I mean, so there's certainly that, I guess I just find there's an idea that everybody gets a chance to kind of like in Buddhism, anybody can just start their journey to become an arhat and then to, to, to I, not be born again. It's, but I just the, feel but, with, 
but you may have but you may have within buddhism an idea that like you're born in a low birth now and that that's a that's maybe a problematic side where they do the same thing where they're dividing up the masses into kind of value categories based on you know so i see that in crow i can see what you're saying if that's what you're saying about crowleyism that there is that well it's, it's it just comes back to what we were saying before is like uh crowley's missing the central chapter right like it, for mm. some probably because of his own upbringing which is such a harsh like fundamentalist closed-minded christian family right and he rebelled against that completely and that scarred his psyche and so he he completely rejected all of that right but but you can see that he's trying to he he's trying to find something as meaningful as that you know like that's what he's trying to create is something as meaningful as that but it just doesn't work you know it's like the, back to agrippa again it's like that's not it, he doesn't reach the pinnacle of magic and I, he must be fully aware of that he is fully aware of that but but i think he gets pretty close i mean i really i you know and i'm not certainly someone who's like a crowley i'm not a thelemite and i don't try to um i'm more interested in extracting kernels of ideas and then kind of building on them so it's not crowley yeah, himself too. Too. it's it's the idea that he was able to seize upon mm -hmm. and and to make central to his philosophy which is that every man and woman is a star that's that is to me the the essence of something so profound and so worth centralizing it's 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 everything it's what we've been talking about in different forms that the fact that he was able to bring that and make it a part of whatever flawed system he you know to me, says that he was some some way along, and and, and they were progressive. I mean, you know, What's, they, it's basic. Uh, yeah, it's basic hermetic truth. That one. Yeah, right? yeah, it's hermetic truth exactly. So he was at least a carrier of that. That right. I think is worth giving him credit for. It wasn't like something like a T.S. Eliot or these people that become royalists and then justify, you know, the eugenic strain. I feel like is they're not that they're more of this other thing of like, we're superior, you mm. know? And I, that's what I, I've always been against that. And that's why I liked my education. You know, I grew up in an America where we were taught like in the legacy of Martin Luther King, this was what was in vogue when I grew up. It's like, every person has value as a central right. tenant of everything. Right. right. And right. no matter these categories. And that's what I'm sad about that. We seem to have lost that. You know, and, and and that's that's what makes me suspicious of the idea that uh, Russia and China and so on are uh, are are a uh, a favorable alternative, right? Because I just don't see that aspect at the root of their culture. You know, um, same. Like it, maybe it is in some like you have Taoism in 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 China and you have like uh yeah obviously you have a um, radical tradition in Russia as well you know so maybe maybe yeah. that'll be there as well but uh, um, they've been persecuted too but no I see what you're I think it's probably the same everywhere where this is a struggle even an internal struggle with these places and they have their own ways to articulate similar values for sure mm. i've met some the russians are I'm, i mean i love russian people oh, me too. and i, I like, love yeah. the culture and they've got yeah. some really fascinating strains of like spiritualism and really wild shit in russia i know like, i know it's i uh it's such a uh 
such a terrible thing that that their whole culture is being rejected because of this bullshit. I know, like, I know. It just I, it, it makes no sense at all. I want to go back soon. I can't wait to go to Belarus again. I, I mean, I'm just waiting for some of these rules to. I mean, I'd like to just go back and be in that culture and mm. meet people. But you know, um, yeah, it's it's terrible. I'm not a Putinist by any means. Um, oh you know, no, he's yeah. putting in jail people that I that I would like. You know. Um, and I'm not, I don't buy the, yeah, the war thing. That's, we didn't, we can come back to that a little bit now. But yeah, I'm totally, I'm anti-war. So I think sure, sure. actually is to blame. He should have negotiated a deal and I don't buy. You oh, know, he's, he's, he's a NATO puppet. They, he's a NATO puppet. And they want to uh, prolong the war. They war want for to, money. They, they, yeah. Well, the, no, the whole point is to bring down Putin, right? Like that's, that's, that's their aim. That's their but, long-term strategy. But I think also their point is to just, it's like, yeah, to bring down Putin, but to, it's this kind of, they're fighting for the great reset. Who's going to control more post reset, just like yeah. at the end well, of World War II. You there's know, a bunch like, of things like yeah. weapon sales and then, and then restarting the cold war so that there's even more weapon yeah. sales, you know, like but a, currency, uh, right. Who's going to yeah. control the, the yeah, post dollar, right. you know? So for sure, this is like hard power and negotiating for positioning for the for the next phase. And um, but Ukraine, that's what's so sad about it. They're just being used. They don't give a fuck about Ukrainians. No, no, no side does. But it's, I, I almost find it worse when it's the Slava Ukraine people that that are that you know because they are. Um, and, and I know Ukrainians and I've, you know, so it's, uh, anyhow, I just want peace is my number one thing. And I want the suffering sure. to stop, but yeah, I don't support the regime, the, the narratives around it at all. And, um, you know, they could have stopped it before and the, leading up to it, the Germans were negotiating it and they just said, oh, yeah, nope. yeah, yeah. They just quashed said, by the Americans, quashed by the Americans and the West, you know, the intelligence, you know, mm -hmm. whatever. So, Hey man, um, I've got to I've got to get out of here. I think. All right, same. Eat man. some food. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Great. Um, well, great conversation, and uh, I'll be emailing you guys, or we'll be in touch for the next. So you you've got the file eh, that you'll send on to Doug or whatever. Yeah, I'll send. I'm gonna send the two. Um, uh, just upload it to a folder, and he'll be able to get the audios. I'll do that now, so you guys have it. Because I know he was I wanting think, it pretty. Yeah, quickly. this 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 will be an interesting conversation, I think, for people if they wanted to listen all the way through. I, I think so too. It's really we covered so many crazy and interesting, <laughs> and like uh, and pertinent and rel and and relevant to the current moment too. It's like we really right. mixed in all kinds of shit that I think people would want to to, to talk about. So, or gold, all kinds of gold. So, okay. Take care, Zanor. Peace out to you, brother. Take care of yourself. Yeah, man. you too, man. So okay. hope to speak to you soon. Anytime. Okay, peace out. Bye-bye. Right. Take care.